Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Ohio Sports Administration podcast, 50 Years in the Making. I'm Travis Meisner and later on I'll be joined by my co-host Brett Bauer as we sit down with Eddie Kondrala, Senior Analytics Manager for the Phoenix Suns. Eddie's job covers everything on the analytics side of things, from player ops to concessions and merchandising. He talks about some of his duties and his analytics team's role in things like ticket pricing and allocating of resources. Which games are trending? How many tickets have been sold compared to the average? Where do we allocate our resources in order to get the greatest return? These are all questions that Eddie and his team are tasked to answer in order to help the organization run effectively. A 2012 graduate of the Ohio Sports Administration program, Eddie talks about internships and specifically a project and revenue generation class that helped guide him to where he's at today. All that and more coming up with Eddie Kondrala. Today we are talking to Eddie Kondrala, a 2012 grad of the program. Eddie, how are you doing today? Good guys, thanks for having me. We're glad that you're uh, here with us today, ready to dive into the analytics. It's such a hot topic today in the sports industry from everything from from player ops to basketball operations to ticketing to sponsorship. Analytics is obviously a huge part, uh, and we're we're ready to learn as much as we can from you, Eddie. So uh, with that, can you just describe your role with the Suns, what you're doing now? Senior Director of Analytics, I believe, is your title. Uh, can you just go into your day-to-day responsibilities and, and your role within the Suns? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my official title is Senior Analytics Manager. Uh, give me a little too much credit there to start, but I'll, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, so so as the Senior Analytics Manager, um, I oversee all of our, our business analytics operations um, and also contribute to the basketball analytics side of things. Um, so, you know, I split my time depending on really on the week, um, how much time spent towards the business and, and basketball side. Um, but you know, I, on the, on the business side, primarily focus on the ticket sales and ticketing analytics, um, and oversee, uh, a few members on our team that, that split their time between ticketing analytics and then also sponsorship analytics, um, digital and, we also have started to dive into concession and merchandise analytics. So uh, really all that kind of bakes into into one uh, department. Um, our team currently now is is six people um, between the business and basketball side. Um, we have three people, though, that are, including myself, that are dedicated to the business side of things. So um, that, that gives a high level. Um, right. And then, you know, go, going into, you know, a little bit deeper, um, you know, from a ticketing perspective, I, I'm overseeing everything with regards to reporting, pricing, inventory management, trying to maximize revenue um, on, on the business side from a ticket sales and sponsorship perspective. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of ad hoc analysis, uh, modeling as as needed for uh, certain things that we can get into, um, I'm sure, in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, you know, it really the goal of our our department is to, to maximize revenue and, and win basketball games, really. So anything we're doing in our department is, is really centered towards those two activities. If it's not, then we're probably not spending our time wisely. So uh, we know we, we did a little bit of research. We saw that uh, you graduated from here in 2012 with uh, both your MBA and your MSA. And then uh, while you were here, you did, if I'm not mistaken, you did an internship at Navigate in Chicago. 
Um, and then your first job out of school was with the Phoenix Suns. So what would you say, if you could look back at your career, uh, what was one decision or project or job that you say uh, you think propelled you to where you are or kind of helped you grow into the to the person that you are today? Yeah, so, you know, this is still my, technically my first job out of, out of grad school, which is, you know, interesting when you have, you know, now this being what the fourth, I guess technically the fourth year out, um, you know, there's good majority of the class are on their second or third jobs. Um, so, I, you know, I consider myself lucky in some ways to have that the case because I found a job, you know, that I really, really like and enjoy. Um, so, you know, in thinking back, like what was something that was important um, in leading to, to me getting this, this position? Um, I, I did a project uh, my second year um, with a couple other of my classmates who um, were also kind of interested in the, in the same topic on um, home court advantage in the MAC conference. So as you guys know, and, and most alums know, um, John Steinbrecher, the MAC commissioner, is, is an alum and has a good relationship with Jim and, and our program. And, um, you know, Jim came to uh, me and, and Ankit Bell, who's, uh, Bell, who's one of my classmates, um, and we're like, you know, we got this idea. John's been asking about this. Is this something you guys can look into? And it was like, you know, this is amazing. This is like great. And really the project evolved a little bit too. And it's not only looking into, you know, what the home court advantage was for for basketball specifically um, in the MAC conference, but also um, into some of the refereeing impact um, into that. So that kind of all played together. So, but really this project was like a great blend of, looking, you know, data collection, um, data analysis, data organization, and then visualization, uh, visualizing the, uh, the, the study. So you got a lot of different elements of analytics all built into one. Um, and so it was really the perfect project and also combining basketball into it. So it was really like culmination of like everything that I'm interested in and, um, wanted to do after I graduated so got the opportunity we picked up a couple other people from my class so we had there were four of us and uh, you know what we did was we went back and analyzed at the time five years of data um, every home that game and also the away game so we could you know take a temperature of the difference for team performance and um, collecting a bunch of different variables to try and pin down you know what schools had the biggest home court advantage um, and what is the impact on refereeing so Really, this project was, for me, it was like, you know, something that I had at the end saying, like, oh, this is what, you know, I had an opportunity to do. And I got to present it on my uh, Skype interview with uh, my future boss. And I really think that was one of the things that kind of put me over over the top. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I liked about Ohio was the opportunity to, you know, yeah, you had your classes, but really outside of class, you had opportunities and connections that you can um, kind of pave your own, pave your own way and do your own thing. And, uh, you know, I was really lucky to have that opportunity, but I think it was really, really important to uh, me getting the, the job at the Suns. Do you remember the findings of that home court advantage report? Do you remember anything significant or a little nugget that you found while doing that? <laughs> Oh, man, it's been a while since I've looked at that. I'm trying to remember. I mean, there were some referee things. There were, like, a couple refs that really stood out as, like, being very home court biased compared to the rest of the sample. Interesting. Um, and then 
And then, uh, yeah, there were a couple schools. I think Northern Illinois, I think they came out as having the uh, the biggest court advantage, but I'm not sure. Ohio ranked pretty well, I think, in that as well. They're like number three. Um, but yeah, so it was it was really interesting, and um, you know, it, it it's always good to have something that you're actually interested in doing, especially when you're not really getting class credit or getting paid to do it. Um, so this was like a completely free project, but it was also a really cool opportunity. And then you know, John John came down one weekend, I think, for maybe the Ohio uh, Ohio basketball game or something. We got to present the project to him and our findings and stuff. So it was, it was really good. And like I said, very, very beneficial. So when I'm like giving advice to future students or current students, um, I, you know, that's one of the things I always point to is like any chance you get to do a project on something you're interested in, do it, whether you're getting paid for it or not. Um, you know, it's going to help you down the line. And usually there's going to be someone that will, will be interested in your, in your work, regardless, um, especially if they're not paying for it. Yeah, so, um, definitely a, a worthwhile project, and definitely one that I would point to as being uh, very beneficial for for where I am today. Yeah, I mean, the importance of analytics has grown substantially over the last, you know, ten years or so. Um, more and more teams are starting to use analytics for uh, business decisions. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the the different areas with the Suns that you, your analytics uh, or your team has has influenced uh, better decision making as better than it was in the past. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's the whole goal of our department to use data to, to make better business decisions and, and basketball decisions. So, um, you know, on, on the business side, I think one area where um, I've been heavily involved in since I got here and. Um, we continue to put more and more resources into his retention. Um, so, you know, every year I'll build a retention model and try and predict um, the likelihood that our our members will renew their, their tickets. And we use that to allocate resources of our, um, our employees on how they're spending their time and who they're talking to and also incentives that we're providing and things like that. So, um, you know, that retention, having an idea of what our projecting renewals, planning for the next season, um, you know, heavily analytically based. So that's number one, um, pricing. So there's a lot that comes into pricing, whether you're talking about, you know, season tickets or if you're talking about single game tickets, um, analytics is heavily involved in that because, you know, you have your data and you can use that to, analyze like what what sections are most sold out or what the what's the demand on the secondary market or and different different variables like that that are going to determine how much you're charging for your different ticket prices and what areas do we need to be aggressive in um, on a single game pricing basis uh, different things like that so pricing is another huge one um, from a marketing perspective um, kind of related to the pricing but what games are trending well um, how you know how many tickets will be sold in the last seven days what games do we need to have offers for? What games do we not want to do offers for? Um, what's the right channel to offer certain deals and what price point should they be? So, you know, analytics reporting, all that plays heavily into marketing decisions, especially when you have a marketing department that, you know, is, is in tune with that, uh, which we do at the Suns, and it's been a, a good experience to work with them. And then, you know, on the sponsorship side, we get a lot of, um, you know, questions from the sponsors themselves, like, how is the sponsorship helped me or how will it help me? So trying to provide ROI projections or, or our ROI analysis um, on that end is, is another thing that's, 
you know, it, analytics is, is provided the opportunity to do. And then just from like a reporting standpoint, we're able to do a lot of automated reporting and uh, really add some, some real density to our reports and automate them and take, take it off the plate of other people that we're spending hours and hours every week. We can, you know, once it's set up, we can do it and it'll just send out automatically. So saving time is another important function of our department. I think, you know, we, we can automate things and um, visualize things in, in ways that it would take hours and hours in Excel to do for someone who's just pulling data every, every day or every week. So I see those as kind of the, the main areas of, of what our department is uh, getting our hands in. Gotcha. With the sponsorships and we see the research coming out more and more that uh, brands want that ROI and they, they kind of expect the, the team to help provide analysis and projections of their ROI. So I'm sure that is just a, a huge asset as, uh, in terms of the sponsorship team. And I'm sure they're just they're scratching your back every chance they get because I would absolutely love uh, an analytics person um, telling me my, my ROI is on the partners that I'm looking for. So you do you do also player personnel or player um, analytics and basketball operations analytics. Uh, I think you said earlier your, your two goals are to make better decisions through analytics and to win games through analytics. Can you talk a little bit about how analytics are used in on the player personnel side? Yeah, so you know on on our end, you know I got to the Suns and became more focused on on numbers um, and analytics and an opportunity for our department. So, um, you know, analytics in general in the league has been on the rise on on both the business and basketball side. Um, but, you know, this gave us the opportunity, I think, to uh, to delve into that area. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing as, as what we do on the business side. We're using it to make, make better decisions, hopefully, um, you know, we, we get data provided by the league. We get data provided by um, Sport View cameras. If you guys are familiar with that, they're cameras that take pictures every uh, or take 25 pictures every uh, second. Um, and we're able to track player movement and, and a bunch of different statistics and uh, metrics that we were never able to do without without this data. So we're using all of this. And really, it's just the way I see it is we're like an extra scout out there, you know, analytics will never ever be the end all be all, um, to making business or personnel decisions really. Um, but I, you know, I do think it's an important piece. So if we're able to provide an, a different insight into, um, how we view a player or what to look for in a player, maybe we can provide guidance to scouts. Um, that's, that's the way I see it is we're like an extra scout out there that we can provide some extra insight and, um, you know, maybe additional information that, that the human eye can't catch. That makes sense. So you have massive amounts of data coming to you, I, I feel like, at all times. And you're getting this That's, from, an, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sh- I, I couldn't even fathom of all the numbers that hit your eyeballs or your, your databases in a single hour, um, let alone how you manage it. So you get all these data points from the leagues, you know, you use... Um, all your metrics that you have. How do you manage the data internally with your team? How do you how do you capture it? How do you store it? Do you have one sort of database that holds separate functions, or do you have to use different databases or different uh, software systems for the player personnel side versus the business development side? I just try to help us understand how you manage everything that comes to you and how you sift through and make sure you're getting the important pieces out. 
Yeah, and this is a good question, and it's one that's um, every team is different too. So if you ask, you know, thirty teams around the league, you'd probably get twenty nine or thirty different answers. To be completely honest with you, um, with the way we're structured with some crossover in business and basketball, I think one of the advantages is that all of our data, for the most part, is housed in one central data warehouse, um, and that's enabled us to, you know we have resources dedicated that we can use for both sides. And, um, you know, from a organizing standpoint, we've been able to automate all these processes that just bring in data every night or every hour, um, for business, um, where it's just automatically loading and updating so that when we go to build reports, and this is particularly important on the business side, um, our business reports are just updating on an hourly basis, right. Um, as we're making sales, as we're making, uh, especially on like, you know, game days, right. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of tickets moving all over the place. So we're able to track that and manage that. Uh, so really, like, one of the things my boss did when I first got here and put me on um, was just automating our reporting so that people who have other responsibilities, you know, they didn't have to worry about this. And instead of trying to pull reports on a game day or just pull reports in general, they can be spent doing other things that are more of a value add. So automating our reporting, um, taking that data from a data warehouse and putting it into different visualization tools, which we have a handful, I would say. There's a few that we use more than more than others. Um, but one is one is more like an automated email reporting um, that we use through SaaS, and then another one is uh, a Tibco uh, product called Spotfire that uh, is more of a visualization dashboarding type tool. Um, so those are like the two main ones that we use, and, and really we try and use these to to just display information it gives access to our our uh, executives they can see this information anytime uh they want to they just got to click on a link or whatever and, and go in there and they can see how many tickets they've sold today how many tickets we have left for the game tonight things like that that are really important to have at your fingertips that previously weren't well yeah that's it's it's kind of mind-blowing thinking about all the data that had that comes through and, and being able to manage it um so now I guess we want to transition a little bit into some questions specific to your experience while you were here on campus at, o, at OU. Um, can you just get into a little bit how you heard about the program or how you ended up here? Everyone seems to have a different story. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I believe that, by the way. I think, yeah, yes, again, you could ask, I'm sure throughout the 50 people you guys are interviewing, you'll get 49 or 50 different answers. Um, I don't know that mine's necessarily going to be the most interesting one, but, um, you know, I was, I was in Chicago working for, uh, ESPN 1000, the radio station there, um, working for all the sports shows, doing like statistical research and things like that right out of college. And, um, you know, it, it didn't take too long to realize that that wasn't going to be like a long-term, um, career for me. The radio business is a tough business and, um, you know, living in Chicago, making, you know, $12 an hour or whatever it was is an, is an ideal situation. So, you know, obviously I was like thinking about what I wanted, what the next step was, like anyone would be, right? Um, and, you know, I, graduate school is something that, I was, you know, I was considering an undergrad, but decided to postpone. Um, so I started thinking about it one night, you know, or whenever it was. And, uh, you know, the internet's a great thing, doing some, doing some searching and just happening to stumble upon like sports. I honestly had no idea a sports administration graduate program was like a thing. Um, and so, you know, as I was going through and searching, like, MBA programs, I was, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, so I was, like, searching schools in Ohio just to see what they had to offer because that makes some sense um, logistically. 
and you know, just having to stumble upon Ohio's website, there was the sports administration program. I was like, wow, this is kind of amazing and kind of perfect for what, what I want to do. And I can get my MBA. So, um, yeah, you know, like mine is the classic, just Google and, you know, there's infinite pages on the internet and I just happened to stumble upon the right one, I guess. And, um, so that's, that's kind of how I became aware. And, um, as I started thinking about it, um, it just made more and more sense. And that was actually the only, only sports administration program that I applied to. So, um, you know, thank goodness I got in and (laughs) it all worked out. Perfect. Perfect. I, I would almost say that your, your story is an uncommon one that, um, a lot of, it seems like a lot of alumni, and I know a lot of our our uh, classmates as well, are either referred by an alum uh, or have an alum somewhere in their career trajectory before coming to Ohio that have uh, pointed out uh, the sports administration program here. So, you know, we got we got to thank Google for that one for getting you into the program. Yeah, here. no, but, um, Google with the huge assist for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, no, yeah. No, I, I mean, I do think I think you're right though about that um, in terms of being unique situation. Um, it does seem like most people had some sort of guidance and mine was just kind of, yeah, bored one night and thinking about, thinking about things in the future. So, um, yeah, no, I'm sure you guys get some interesting ones and I'm excited to hear some of the other ones too. What would you tell, you know, thinking back to your days, uh, you know, back in 2010, 11, 12, when you were on campus, what's one thing Eddie should have known back then, uh, that he, that you maybe know now, uh, what's one thing that you tell your graduate self? Um, so I'm going to give you two answers here. Perfect. The first is having good fellows past midnight is never a good idea. <laughs> I'll confirm that one. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree on that. that. That is sound advice. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and, you know, it took me more than, yeah, more times than I care to admit to, to figure that out. Um, the, the second, though, I think is more of like a, a personal thing. And I think it's just, um, you know, get to know the people you're going to school with. And I think it goes beyond just what your, your current class is, the people that are older than you or younger than you, um, whatever the case is, um, because you never know when your, your paths are going to cross. Um, but also your own classmates. Like, you know, you tend to get comfortable after the first couple months and you kind of know your thing. But you know, I think maintaining those relationships throughout the two years can be a little bit of a challenge, especially as like the job thing starts to come into play and everyone's busy doing their own thing and uh, things like that. So, you know, maintaining those relationships, um, I, I think are just, just crucial. And I, I definitely could have done probably a better job, um, especially in between classes and things like that. But you, you just never know, um, you know, when, when those things are going to come into play and, you know, they're going to be helpful and, and I give you an example just from my class. Um, I actually ended up living with a classmate out here in Arizona, um, and he was—I I, swear—the only person I knew in Arizona when I moved out here. Like the only person. So it was very good that you know we had a good enough relationship that we were like, all right, we can we can live together and like this be a perfect situation. It turned out to be amazing. Like splitting rent is is always a good idea, um, and if you can get away with it, and then you know not knowing anyone, we kind of. It was it introduced us to people on from both of our our jobs that you know we were meeting and stuff. So really, it's it's not easy to make new people, especially in a huge city. Um, you know, just by way. And you know, I was coming in with my job. I was working with a lot of like older people than me, executives and things like that. So I wasn't really interacting with people my age at, at work necessarily right away too. So 
um, I think that's just a good example of how, you know, keeping those relationships and, and keeping your options open and, and really like, you know, just maintaining those, those things beyond grad school is always a good idea too. And I, and I definitely don't do a good enough job as I should on that, but I, I try and, um, you know, with all the technology that is available, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to do, even if it's something as simple as playing like in a fancy football league, you know, like that keeps, keeps the interaction there and it's fun and, and things like that. So that's what I would say is like, you know, as much as you can while you're there, maintain those relationships because I think it'll set yourself up to do the same thing once you leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, that's one of uh, also one of the goals Travis and I have for this podcast is to uh, kind of keep those relationships up, see what other you know classmates are doing, what other alumni are doing, and getting each class uh, that's passed through here in the past fifty years uh, to highlight someone from their class and keeping those relationships intact. I think is, is a crucial thing, and I, I think you expressed it uh, perfectly uh, with with how to do it on campus. Yeah, one of the things that we've been kind of asking uh, a lot of the people we've been talking to uh, is how do you use your degrees uh, in every day? And obviously, your role is a little more analytical. Uh, it's very much more analytical based than, than a lot of others that we've spoken with. Um, but, you know, would you be able to do your job without that MBA and MSA? And I know you referenced uh, the project you did in Jim's class, but uh, can you just elaborate a little bit on how you use those every day and how difficult it would be or if you'd even be where you are without doing that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, probably, you know, probably not, to be honest with you. Like, you know, I had a business undergrad background, so like a lot of the business stuff was familiar to me in the MBA, but, you know, obviously it's, it's a bit more advanced and you pick up different skills and stuff. So the business side's easy, right? Like working on the business analytics, like MBA concepts and and things are, are prevalent every day. But, you know, from the MSA side, like, it, it's huge because the great, and I wasn't necessarily going to school or, you know, I was, wasn't in class with 20 people who wanted to do the same thing as me because it is kind of like a specialized field and you have to have a weird interest in numbers to uh, to want to do what I do. But um, it, it was very helpful in giving me exposure to all the different opportunities and all the different parts of um, – of the sports world because my job is, is not like very siloed at all. I work with all the other different departments. So right, right. getting exposure into the sponsorship side, getting exposure into ticket sales side, getting exposure into marketing, like all those different things. Like I do those things almost every day. So if I, you know, if I hadn't gone to, gone to Ohio, I may not ever have gotten experience and not had a background. And I think my background in those different areas, even though I'm not necessarily doing sponsorship or doing ticket sales, um, you know, from a sales perspective or from a marketing perspective, but having a knowledge helps me do my job better. And I have no doubt that's, that's benefited me, um, in, in my current role. That's perfect. Eddie, we want to thank you, uh, for being here with us today. One final question we're asking all the alumni that are coming on our podcast show, uh, and for the listeners who have listened to a couple episodes, you know it's coming. But if you could describe your OU experience in one word, maybe I'll give you two words. Uh, what what would you uh, what would those words be? I would say I'm going to take your two word offer and say everyone has exceeded expect exceeded expectations. Um, just because you know, I went, you know, I went in, and I, I felt good about the decision to go. But like anything, it was a very big life decision, and 
Um, you know, you hope it all works out at the end or whatever, but um, I, I think my time there exceeded my expectations, even though they were already high and, and hopeful. So um, I think that's that's the one I would use. I think those are those are perfect a perfect way to end it, Eddie. We uh, really want to thank you, and we appreciate the time for you coming out on the show, Eddie Kondrala, 2012 class. Uh, Eddie, any last any last final words, our listeners? No, I mean just thank you guys for for doing this. I think this is great celebrating 50 years, which is an amazing run for you know the number one sports administration program in the country and in the world. So yes. uh, good job by you guys, and I know there's a lot of alums out there that'll appreciate this and uh we'll we'll celebrate with you guys so thank you to eddie for taking time to speak with brett and i with analytics being such a hot button issue in all the sports industry today and big data really making decision making less of a guess people like eddie are becoming more and more valuable in the workplace Tune in next week as we welcome 2013 pmsa graduate and senior associate commissioner of the mountain west conference dan butterly Dan has spent the last 20-plus years working in senior leadership roles with a few different NCAA Division I conferences and currently manages the marketing, branding, sponsorship, TV, men's and women's basketball championships, and other external relations for the Mountain West Conference. Dan talks with us about his career path beginning as the head men's basketball manager at his alma mater, Illinois State, to now being a senior leadership role with an FBS conference. I've had the pleasure to spend some time with Dan and see firsthand the operations and sponsorship side of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and I can say firmly that Dan is one of the best out there at what he does. I I strongly encourage you to check out next week, and we appreciate you tuning in this week. And with that, Todd? 110, take it away.